Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. We just exhort you for this moment. We magnify you, Lord God Almighty, for who you are. We come, O God of glory, to receive instructions at this hour. We're demanding, God, that you feed us with the word of life, that you bring the transformation that is mostly needed in our lives at this hour, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to continue with what we're talking about, believers' response to grief. This is part two. Believers' response to grief. Part two of that. Last week I started out, I tried to explain to us what is grief. You know, and then the question is how the believers respond to grief or grieving situation. You know, um, like I said, simple definition of grief means deep and pregnant distress called by or perceived by bereavement. Sometimes you lose your loved one. You know, just like in the season that we are with our beloved brother moving on into glory. How do you respond to it? Grief. Grief also means trouble, it means annoyance. You know, somebody gets you angry. How do you respond to it as a believer? You know, in what capacity God intended you to handle any of those things that, if I may use the word, seems to take away the peace of God and the joy of God from your life? How do you handle it as a believer? It means annoying or painful criticism. I said it before. When people criticize you, What's your response to it? They say all manner of things about you, the things you didn't do, whatever the case may be. Or they say, oh man, he's trying to prove something. When they criticize you, and you got to know that men are criticizing you, what will you do as a believer? He talks about an unfortunate outcome, like a disaster, frustration. The point is, how do you respond to all of these things? As a believer, that's what we're looking at. And we started out last week. I'll need to continue today. I want to give us first of all an illustration. But last week I made you to understand from the book of Genesis when we read about Hagar. You remember the story? Right. She was so grieved to the point that she was sitting by a well of water without knowing that she was sitting there. The solution she was looking for was just right by her side. But the grieving situation blinded her mind so that she can't be able to see. And that's exactly what happened to most of us. We get to the point of grieving that when God is even speaking, we don't hear. When revelations are coming, we don't see. Why? Because we're grieving. Our mind is shut dead, you know, shut off and closed up and veiled up that we don't see what God is talking about. That's not the way to be a believer. That's not the way God has ordained for us to walk with Him. And I want to give us a simple illustration of a man that really grieved in the Bible. And then I would like you to see also the response of God to this individual. And that's the person of Job. Job 3, I'm going to read for this one. Now one thing you need to understand about this man is that the Bible says, He was a righteous man, yes, to evil. So, calamity doesn't necessarily happen to you because of sin. Is that okay? 
distress situation doesn't happen to you because you're a sinner. Now, I'll make you see from scriptures. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, not the sinner, not the wicked. <laughs> Is that okay? Right. So here was Job. If you read from chapter 1 and 2, you'll be able to see clearly. Scripture said the man was a righteous man. He has too evil. In fact, he feared the Lord. But you remember what happened to him? All his children were gone. His business was gone. His physical health was in jeopardy. And so, Job had all reason to breathe. You can't blame him. But I would like us to see later, like I said, the response of God to his grieving situation. So, verse 1 of Job 3 says, After the Job, after this open Job his mouth and caused his day, when he said after this, his, his friends came, sat down with him for a number of days. Nobody wants to talk because Job was in such a bad mood. And sometimes we need to learn from incidents like this as well. Now, when we go to where people are grieving, sometimes we just keep our mouth shut. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can grieve with somebody without you talking. Hmm? All right. So, Job was trying to bring up the defense, and when he saw all of this, thing, what did he say? It caused his day. And Job spake and said, Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let no God regard it from above. Neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. <laughs> Go to verse 9. Let the stars of the twilight therefore be dark. Let it look for light, but have none. Now let you say the dawning of the day, verse 10. Because he shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor his sorrow from my eyes. Why died not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should suck? Praise the Lord. Go to chapter 10, verse 18. Job 10 verse 18. Wherefore then had I brought me from out of the womb? He's talking to God now. All that I have given up the ghost, I know I have seen me. I should have been as though I had not been. I should have been carried from the womb to the grave. <laughs> and not my days few. Since then I let me alone that I may take comfort a little. If I go whence I shall not return, even to the land of darkness and the shadow of death. Now I want you to see the way Job was describing his own life. Hallelujah. The kind of frustration that he had. The description. You see, it's like, why am I living? And so many of us have come to that place or that kind of conclusion. Why am I living? Why was I born at all? Job is saying, no, no, no. It would have been much more important if I had died the very day I was born. In fact, 
Why is it that my mother opened her leg to let me out? She will have closed her leg for her suffocate and die. This is a height of a grieving person. Hallelujah. Are you following what I'm saying? You, you look at your situation sometimes, no finances and all that. You just come to that place. Why am I living? Why must I continue like this? What is there anymore in life? You don't see anything good about life. You don't see anything beautiful about life. You don't see anything joyful about life. For you, life makes no meaning. And like Job, you may probably be thinking, it was of no use that I was giving birth to. It was unnecessary that I ever come to life one more time. I mean to see whatever is supposed to be called a You've come to that place in your life where you don't feel it's necessary in any way to live anymore. Exactly like Job. Don't forget this. We're talking about grieving. Job who grieve because all of his resources, all of his life, everything that made him who he was, was taken away in a split second. So, we're talking about frustration, financial frustration, business loss, children sick, and whatever the case may be, you have a right to grieve. Hallelujah. But, let's see the response of God to Job. While he was grieving, Job 38, verse number 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the wide wind that said, Who is this that darkened cancer by words without knowledge? <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, who is this saying all of this nonsense? Like a man that had no understanding, no knowledge. Sometimes when you grieve, you say things even about God. That you are not supposed to say. Who is this man? Look at that. That is dark and cancer by west without knowledge. Get up now, thou lost like a man, for I with the mind of thee, and the answer thou me. I'm going to ask you some question if you think you know so much. Well, because you are grieving, so you can say whatever thing you want to say. Now I'm going to be a few questions. I need to answer these questions. You sit up as a man and answer me. Now look at the question. Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou have understanding. <laughs> you know what he's trying to say? Where were you? Now let me just read you, I'll show you. Verse 5. Who had laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest, or who has stepped out the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundation thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Verse 7 says, When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy, Where were you? You know what he's telling him? You ought to know better that all that is going on is an interplay of the Spirit. You've been a son of God. You were there, like every one of us, we were with God when the foundation of the earth was laid. He said, now you're speaking like you don't even know what it's supposed to be. 
You speak as one that have darkened understanding without knowledge, and yet you are supposed to be a child of God. Are you getting that? So, God frustrated, if I may use the word Job. He brought him to himself, said, You better sit up and answer these questions. Where were you? Because when I laid the foundation of the earth, everything that was going to come, how many of you understand that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world? That's what the Bible said, isn't it? Good. By implication, I'm telling Job, you were there when I started all of this program. So what you just passed through is not issue at all. You should be able to understand that there's an interplay in the dimension of the spirit in that which you are going through. But with me, you are supposed to come out of it. So instead of focusing on me, because how many of you understand it was God that permitted Satan to talk Job? Remember that? Good. You don't understand what is going on. You don't understand what is playing out in the spirit, right? You don't understand the mind of God. That's why we grieve. So the people that understand God's intent and purposes for our life, they don't grieve like the man of the world does. Are you following what I'm saying? That's how scripture says, all things work together for good to them I love God, who are they called according to his purpose. And we are called to become sons of God, to be saints of God. All things are working together for our good, no matter what it is. That knowledge we trigger the joy of the Lord in your heart. So much so that no devil will mess you up to begin to grieve to the point where you begin to question the existence of God. You begin to magnify the devil as if he's higher and more powerful than God. You begin to cause the day you were born. You begin to cause the village that you came from. No! That's not the Lord of a believer. Hallelujah. You see, without the permission of God, the devil could not have taught Job. And so, God was saying, Job, you ought to have known what just happened to you. I permitted it to happen. You should have known that. Hallelujah. Otherwise, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? When the sons of God and the stars sang together for joy for what I'm doing, you were there. But now you lost it. And you're causing the day that you were born. So it's like saying, Job, will you repent? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, so many of us who have come to that place, but I'm saying, God is saying, that is no issue at all. He is still in charge. Can I hear an amen? He is still in charge. He holds the reins of power. Every authority is in his hand. Listen and listen closely. What he never permitted will never happen to you. He is still rule and reigns. Hallelujah. Go with me to Isaiah 40, verse 28. I just hope that some of you will not be grieving like Job did. Just pray that God give you understanding so that you don't go the way of Job in grieving and cursing the day you were born. And how many of you understand even the first place that the end of Job was seven times greater than the beginning? How many of you understand that? The end of Job's life was more glorious than even the beginning. God restored everything that he lost. How many of you remember that? Praise the living God. 
He is still in charge. He is still in control. No matter what the father rules or reigns, he is still in charge of your life. He's very much in control of everything around you. Don't get your mind off God because of situation. Don't get your mind off God because of circumstances. No, don't let business failure of yesterday be an issue to you to call the day you were born or to even think that God is not existent. Don't allow anything that happened to you to begin to make comparison why it is, whether it's important to serve God or not. And you begin to think about the unbelievers outside and see how much prosperity they have and yet you're suffering and serving God. Don't go that way. You're grieving just because you lost your business. But I want to make you understand, as we read in the scripture, the Bible may also understand that the righteous man will fall seven times, but what? He will rise again. Amen? Isaiah 40, 28. Has that not known? It's a simple question. Has that not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the earth, ends of the earth, fainted not? Neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. It doesn't faint. It doesn't get tired. You know what he's trying to say? God, if I get tired or faint or we ever faint, that you will not be able to answer your prayers. It's never tired. By implication, no matter the number of persons that are calling on God, they still respond to each and every one of us. Your response is not tears. Your response is prayers. Is that okay? Why you will grieve? Yes. But how long are you supposed to grieve over that which is lost? Your response is prayers. He's not tired. He's not weary. He doesn't faint anytime, anywhere. Call upon him. He will answer you. I'll come back here. But give me Jeremiah 33, verse number 3. Praise the Lord. Look at this. Call upon me, and I will answer thee. And show thee great and mighty thing which thou dost not know. Instead of grieving, asking questions through prayers. He will show you things which you do not know. He will make things available to you that you do not know. Why something things has happened? To change your direction, to change your course. He will always answer. Praise the living God. So, he will answer your prayers. It's not just like asking me. You see, this is the way we pray. Why me, Lord? I like I used to ask some question. You know, one funny thing. Every now and then, you don't want your vehicle to go bad. So when you pray, God, keep this vehicle. Huh? Don't let anything happen to this vehicle. What we are invariably saying, let the mechanic starve to death. You see that? That's what you are saying. Because your vehicle does not develop for the mechanic who have no job to do. So when you say, God, this vehicle... 
Nothing should happen to it. Amen. And then you are just saying, let all the mechanics starve to death. The survivor does not concern me. That's what you're saying. So when you ask question, why me? Oh, it shouldn't have been you, it should have been me. I don't know if I'm getting that. What you're invariably saying is, this problem shouldn't have come to me, it should have come to Mr. A. And that's wrong. <laughs> Are you sitting there with me? Praise the Lord. Why me, Lord? Why did you allow this to happen? Now, if you ask it with intention to know, Jeremiah 33 will play out. But if you ask any with intention to query him, he has no answer for you. Did you get that? Give me Deuteronomy 29, verse number 29. And I come back to Isaiah. Look at it. Deuteronomy 29. The secret things belong unto the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. That means there are some things that God hides from his people. Don't try to find out. Hallelujah. The secret things belong to Lord, but we walk by what is revealed to us, and how do we get those revelations? Jeremiah 33, verse number 3. You call upon me, and I will show you things we that does not know. Hallelujah. I will see here. So, from Isaiah that we read before, the word says this way is a past finding out. He is not in position to answer why me questions, but very much in readiness as always to give you directions to come out of your situation. And that's what we read last week in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. So let's look at it again. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. So that you see that. He'll give you directions. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There are no temptation taking you besought that is common to man, but God is faithful. Everyone say, God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to be it. He is going to make a way of escape out of that situation that you find yourself. You just look unto him. Nothing that you're going through today that is new. I said that last week, everything is common. It's common to man. Praise the living God. Are you sitting there with me? There's nothing new. So you can't grieve over what is common. <laughs> I mean, you, how long are you going to grieve over that which is common happening to every human being on the face of the earth? No. You just need strength from His presence. You need light from His glory. You need wisdom to walk and to navigate. As you look unto Him, He gives you a way of escape. You'll be able to escape from the grieving situation. Or your business fail, you're going to escape and come to the place where your business will pick up again. Glory to God, somebody. Psalm 34, verse 19. Is anybody following me? I need you to grasp this. So that all your complaints 
put them in a basket. You know, you put them in a basket, they will seep out. Is that okay? What did I say? She put them in a basket. They will seep out. Can you use a basket of fresh water? No. So that's why I'm recommending store your issues in a basket. They will seep out. You won't find them anymore. Hallelujah. Psalm 34 verse 19. Many are, what? The afflictions of the righteous. Not the wicked. Not the sinner. Not the unbeliever. Of what? The righteous. But the Lord. Hallelujah. Delivered him out of them all. Not some. He will make a way of escape. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Think about that. Hallelujah. Verse 20 says, He keepeth all his bones. Glory to God. That not one of them is well broken. He sustains you. He keeps you aright. If only you can look unto him. Many are the afflictions. Not some little things. Many are the afflictions. Not the things you select. You don't select the afflictions. They are all over the place. Many. And they come in various forms and ways. Are the afflictions of the righteous. Praise the living God. But the Lord delivered them from them all. There is no affliction that you will ever pass through that God will not deliver you from. Is that okay? There is none. Now you miss the point of deliverance. That's what I'm saying. Because you are grieving so much when God is making out the way, when God is opening the door, when God is bringing an opportunity, you don't see why because you're grieving. That's the problem. But if only you can come down and realize that you are in the hands of God. If only you can come down and realize that the Lord is faithful. <laughs> Who will not fail you but we in the midst of the situation make a way of escape. Your joy shall be restored. Praise the living God. Are you see that? The word affliction is so powerful. It's a Hebrew word rock. It means bad, evil, adversity, affliction, calamity, displeasure, distress, exceedingly great grief, harm, heavy, hot, mischief, sorrow, trouble, and defining affliction. Did you get that? And he said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. He didn't say the affliction of the wicked. <laughs> Praise the living God. So when we come to God, that's why he says sometimes it's funny. We try to teach people that once you're a Christian, you can't face anything anymore. But the Bible didn't teach that. Amen? We think when you become a child of God, then... As long as you're in this world, nothing happens to me anymore. That is not true. That is not Bible. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivered them all, me from them all. There's always a way of escape in the midst of affliction. 
Praise the living God. Proverbs 24, verse number 10. Let me begin to round up. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. If you faint because of affliction, your strength is small. You have no energy. <laughs> Glory to God. Can you take it from the, uh, the message translation? Message translation. If you fail or fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. There was nothing. If you fall to pieces because there's a crisis, there was nothing. You had nothing. You were nothing. That means crisis will always come. Is that okay? <laughs> if you fail in the day of adversity, your strength is small. You don't have anything within you. So when you grieve, and you can't come out of grief, a simple illustration is you have nothing within you. No energy. You haven't even received him. You haven't come to that place where the joy of the Lord is your strength. You haven't come. I don't know if you understand. Somebody like, I would say to Todd of the New Testament was written by Apostle Paul, if you will. But I mean, if you understand that he wrote most of these books while he was in prison. This man was in prison, afflicted because of what he believed in. But in the midst of that, he could write all the books that we read today. What afflictions have you passed through that makes you feel that God is no longer in existence? What affliction have you passed through? Listen once again. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. You need to wake up, somebody. Hallelujah. You need to stand up again. You need to... Okay, let me show you something. Look at this. Proverbs 24, 16. Praise the Lord. 24, 16. Just go to King James before we come here. For a just man falleth what seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief seven times. The just man, that's the righteous man, shall fall seven times. You go into distress and affliction from that resting position, if you will. God spoiled by wicked men, by robbers. The spoilers, if you will, the lies in wait continually. Let's read this from NIV. Take it from verse 15. Do not lie in wait like an outlaw against a righteous man's house. Do not raid his dwelling place. For, he is given the reason, though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again. But wicked are brought down by calamity. That's to say, calamity does not subdue a righteous man. That means affliction does not keep a righteous man bound. 
There is power that causes you to stand up again. The problem is not your falling. The problem is, are you ready to rise? The world cannot be broken. Try seven times pure. But the righteous man can fall seven times. That's a perfect number, a whole number. But it will rise again. There is that energy that God supplies. There is that way, that door that God opens for you to stand up. All you need to do, once you fall in, is to hear God or listen to God and open your eyes to know exactly the way God has opened for you to come out of your crisis. Praise the Lord. Are you still there? Okay, take it from the message translation now. Message translation, Proverbs 24, verse 15. Verse 15 says, Don't interfere with God's people's life. Don't try to get the best out of them. Verse 16 says, No matter how many times you treat them up, God loyal your people don't stay down long. Soon they will be up on their feet while the wicked end up flat on their faces. They'll be out no matter what you do. You try to make them stumble. You try to frustrate them. No, no, no. They're not going to lie down on their faces like the wicked. There is an energy in your life that brings you out of every crisis that you are passing through. Hallelujah. Are you following me? You are not like the wicked. The wicked will fall flat on their faces. They can't rise anymore. But for a believer, I'm asking you the question. How do you respond to grief? That's what I'm saying. We don't respond to grief like the wicked. We can't fall on our faces flat without rising. No, there's an energy within our lives that no matter the crisis we're passing through, we're going to come out victorious. Are you sitting there with me? Everything the enemy has turned for evil, God is going to turn out for good. Are you listening to me? Give me Genesis 50 verse 20. So uh, let me see this. You begin to see the life of Joseph going through crisis because he chosen seed. Put it to repeat. Genesis 50 verse 20. King James is okay. Hallelujah. Are you done with me? Sold him as a slave boy, got to Pharaoh's house, accused of what he never did, taken to prison, forgotten by the prisoners. <laughs> Everything he tried to do, nothing worked. Remember, he told the prisoner, I mean, the, the, one of the prisoners where they're going up, when you get to Pharaoh, tell him the man that can interpret dream is here. The Bible tells us when the man got out there to Pharaoh, he forgot Joseph. God has got his own time for you. It's got its own season for you. When you look unto men to come out of crisis sometime, you get frustrated because man will always fail you. When Joseph wanted to come out of the crisis, not the due time, and he asked, You just tell Pharaoh, there is a man here that can interpret dream. He was trying to play his way out of imprisonment. And God made sure that he might forgot Joseph. 
Do you understand that? Until the appointed time. Until the moment that God intended it to happen. God had planned a season. Hallelujah. For Joseph to come out. And so when the brothers came, look at what he told them. But as for you, you thought evil against me. But God meant it what? For good. To bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. You thought you wanted to kill me. But God was using the measure. In fact, he was using you to bring me to the place of success and glory for all of you to survive. But for you, you thought it was evil. Can I tell you something? Anything the devil planned for your life is going to turn out for good. Are you listening to me? No matter what is going on, don't get frustrated that you don't hear God. Don't get frustrated that you don't see what God is showing you. For everything the devil has planned, everything the enemy has done, everything the robbers have done, is going to turn out for good. Hallelujah. That is the end point for the righteous man. That's why you don't fall flat on your face. No. That's for the portion of the wicked. When they fall, they fall, they don't rise anymore. But for the righteous people, you fall down seven times, you shall rise again. The power of resurrection is within you. For that same spirit, hallelujah. That raise up Christ from the grave. The Bible says, if it dwells in you, he shall give life to your mortal body. It shall vivify your mortal body. No matter how sick you are, there is life for you. Hallelujah. You are not going the way of the grave because of that sickness. I pronounce that to you today in the name of Jesus. For the righteous man will fall seven times, but he shall rise again. Hallelujah. There is life within his people. Come on, stand up, somebody. There's life within us. There's life within us. There's life within his people. No matter the situation you find yourself, I bring forth the power of God to be upon your life. Just like the word said, the righteous man will fall seven times, but he shall rise again. No sickness will keep you bound. No disease will keep you bound. In the name of Jesus Christ. Every form of business failure that you have experienced, I bring a decree right now that you are coming back strong in the name of Jesus Christ. Everything the devil planned against you, whatever makes people to rejoice over your fall, they shall be put to shame because of resurrection power. When you rise up again, they will be able to know that you have but the living God. Hallelujah. Father God, I pray for these people. And the great God Almighty, that resurrection power will flow into their lives. In the name of Jesus Christ, receive resurrection power. And let every grieving spirit now blind you to the mind of God be taken out of your mind in the name of Jesus Christ. May your ears be opened from this day to receive instruction on the way to go in the name of Jesus Christ. I demand that your frustration be brought to an end. I demand that your afflictions be brought to an end in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, my dear Father. 
In Jesus' precious name we pray. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.